The world seems so unstable, so insecure. Everything is changing way too fast. But there are some things that are steadfast, things that never change. God and His Word. Join us as Pastor Randy Rehm shares truths from God's unchanging Word. John chapter 8, starting in verse 30. When you're there, please stand. It is our tradition to stand for the reading of God's Word. Okay, thank you. Some people ask me, why do I, I read off of this in here? Be because if I read out of here, I've got to put my eyeballs on. I print it bigger on here. <laughs> so, anyway. John chapter 8, starting in verse 30. As he, that is Jesus, was saying these things, many believed in him. So he said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Anybody ever heard that before? And they answered him, We are offspring of Abraham, and we've never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say we will become free? And Jesus answered them, saying, Truly, truly, I say to you, anyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. Slaves do not remain in the house forever. The Son remains forever. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. You may be seated. Now, we're, we're going to cover through all the way through the rest of the chapter today, but I'm not going to read that all. Um, there, there's a, just a theme that runs throughout this particular parochopy, and that, that is truth obviously, and it actually appears in here uh, nine times. That doesn't include the other, that doesn't include the two times he says truly, truly. Okay. And, and then the, the uh, concept, or particularly the word. There are seven times, but Jesus many times says, what I say. Do you believe what I say? Do you hear what I say? I didn't include those, but the main theme here is truth and Christ's word. There are only two speakers in this section. Jesus and, as it says here, the Jews who had believed in him. Now, this is going to be hard for some of you. When I say that, you're nodding. But when Jesus tells these people that believed him that their father is Satan, we go, what? There's no other people speaking the Jews who believed it speak as, as like as if it was one voice, like when he says, when the crowd said, all right, or the Pharisees said, all right. So, but those are the only two people interacting in this section. So that, that does bring up several issues. I would say key verses are 31 and 32 and 53 and 58. 53, this is well then. Who do you say you are, basically? And he answers that, before Abraham was, I am, ego ami. All right, those, those are vital. But I want to begin with a little bit of an illustration. Tim and I have been in Cambodia a few times, and you could go to these shops in the big city, and, and this shop might be a phone shop, this shop might be a shop for luggage and purses, and between them is the logo shop. 
You can go over here and buy a generic phone, walk over here and buy an Apple logo. You can go over here, buy a purse, come over here and buy the logo for that brand purse. I don't know purse brands. Maybe the ladies could help me that. Okay? Um, the, you, you, can mark, you can get knockoffs, if I could say it like that. Is that the right term? You know, for just about anything. Okay? It, it's, it's not real. Sort of like most of the pictures you see on the Internet. I did this for fun fake or real, and they showed you these photographs, is this a real photograph or has it been faked? Ooh, that's tough to tell, okay? Um, and I think the, the, the authentic versus, in the case of the purses and the phone, the authentic versus the nominal. That is in name only. It has that Apple sticker. It has that Calvin Klein sticker. It has that Chanel sticker, but that's in name only, Okay, the authentic versus the nominal. I want you to consider that as we go on. In verse 30, and many believed in him. Many Jews believed in him. I would suggest to you they're nominal. Otherwise, their father wouldn't have been Satan. Now, we've heard this expression before, many believed in him or entrusted to him, back in chapter 2, over in chapter 6, okay? But he goes along and says, but Jesus didn't trust these guys at all. Yeah, they believed, but he wasn't, he wasn't putting any stake in that. So, so there's some sense of this believing that's going on that is not, I'm going to put it this way, authentic. And we'll talk about that later okay so this belief that it starts with here by the time you get to the end of this section they want to stone him their belief quickly fades it's sort of like seed thrown yeah okay um the question they stumble over is Christological, that is, about Christ, what Christ says about himself, who he is. That's where they hit the wall. He's saying all kinds of things, and he's okay with it, but, but when he goes to, I, they just can't do it. So many believed in me, and Jesus says to the Jews that believed in him, Okay, I know you say you believe, but let me tell you something. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. If is a conditional conjunction. I think we all know that. But in this case, it's a condition of attestation. That is evidence of a condition or state. Let me put it this way. Okay, if you get a bullseye eight out of ten times, you are an expert marksman. Right, Bob? <laughs> he shoots that way. If you have a Y chromosome, you are a male. Doesn't matter what you believe. The condition of maleness has some evidence that is a Y chromosome. The, okay, the condition of being an expert marksman has evidence of being able to hit the bullseye most of the time. In this particular case, I would suggest to you it's an attribute 
uh, that is inherent or intrinsic to the nature of the thing being spoken of. Just like a Y chromosome is intrinsic, it's inherent of maleness. You can't have maleness and not have a Y chromosome. No matter how many surgeries you have, it doesn't change your chromosomes, okay? Abiding in Jesus' word is inherent or intrinsic attribute of being one of his disciples. Okay, now, my analogy of the chromosome fall because it is the Y chromosome that brings about the male features we would see on the outside, the way the brain works, because they do break, work differently, okay? But I want you to note, he says, abide in. Not know, abide in. To live in, to dwell in, to make your home in, to continue in, to remain in, to not depart from. Those are all the meanings of this word throughout Scripture. That is normal or customary state of being a Christian is this. This is where you're at home. Okay? It is a defining attribute of a true disciple of Jesus Christ. Okay? Now, this is not just some academic pursuit of truth in general. It is living it, breathing it, abide in it. Not just read it. Not just having a head knowledge of it. it, it it's the place you live. It's, it's, it's your modus operandi. It's your MO. That's short. Now, then it goes on and says, and, another conjunction. But here it's telling us a connecting result. Intrinsic to being a disciple is abiding in the word, and let me give you the result of that. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Man, you've see, I've seen that all kinds of places. I just wish they'd put it in the context. What is it that brings about this knowledge of truth, this truth that sets you free, is being a disciple and abiding in his word. Okay? But I want you to note one thing. It does assume this. There is such a thing as truth. Now, there was a day you didn't think we'd have to say that. Okay? Just, just go online right now and do, is there such a thing as truth? Is there absolute truth? However you want to say it, and watch what happens. There are things that exist independent of anyone's beliefs or linguistic gymnastics. Whether you believe it or not, there's a sun in the sky. Well, that's your truth. I don't believe there's a sun in the sky. Well, then go outside and don't get sunburned. Your belief has nothing to do with the fact that you're going to fry out there or fry down there, even if you don't believe in it. Things exist outside of your brain tissue. Um, are there things that are unambiguously false and true? Now, there was a day... When, 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 a, when we believed if you were an apple, if this thing was an apple, probably today you are an apple, um, if this is an apple, it's not an orange. It's not a banana. 
It's not a truck tire. Okay? This means this antecedent is false. There was a day we believed that. I, uh, during vacation, I was reading Francis Schaeffer. He's got several books along this, this line. Um, one of them is Escape from Reason, which I really suggest you read. But this is back in the 60s, coming up to the 60s. And he was a philosopher and theologian and this kind of thing. And he predicted where we are today with relative truth. He looked at the culture, what was happening in art, music, in our universities, and eventually in our churches at the time. I mean, this first came out in 1968. Um, he's going, man, there's going to be a time coming up, people, where we don't believe the antecedent is not true. There will be a time when you believe the Y chromosome does not make you male. Um, truth is more than perception. You can be blind and not see the sun, not perceive it. In that sense, it's still there. You can say all you want. It isn't, but that doesn't change the truth. Okay? Nowadays, well, that's truth for me. That's truth for you. That's the truth for dog. That's the truth for cats. That's the truth for... Uh, no. Okay? A belief or a statement is true in regards to its relationship to God's declaration to what a thing is. Let me put it this way. What is real and true is what's real and true from God's perspective. That's what counts. If we want to talk about perspective. Okay? Because first of all, our brains are corrupted by sin. Mine by old age. It's getting that way, right, Glenn? I fight it all the time. Okay? Statements or words used to relate to things in the world. So if I say to you, go sit in that chair. You're not going to sit in a C-H-A-I-R. That's a word. Represents a real thing that you can park yourself in. Okay? So all language is analogical. Please, I don't get, I won't spend a lot of time here. That is, words represent real things. So I'm sitting and talking to someone, and they're saying, well, there's no truth, that's your truth, and our truth. Wait a minute, we can't even have a conversation if there's no such thing as truth. The words we're saying, the things they represent, don't represent anything. So we just might as well sit there and go, blah, 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 blah. Literally, just say blah, 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 because apparently words have no meaning because there's, there's no truth. When I say chair, it doesn't mean chair, it means pig. Communication is only possible because there is truth. And the words we use represent those things. You can call that chair your cat if you want, but it will never fill the litter box. It's not going to happen. All right? A statement or a thing is not real, or a statement true, simply because there's electrical impulses buzzing around in your head. 
That does not what make the universe real is whether or not in your mind there's electrons bouncing around in there saying, yeah, I believe that's real. Now, I know this is a bit in the area of philosophy. What's that got to do with the church? Because today's world, it has to be. But this passage assumes, Christ assumes there's such a thing as truth. If you are my disciples, you remain in my word, and you will know the truth. That may tell me truth is knowable. There are those who argue you really couldn't talk about God at all. Some philosophers in the 20th century. Okay, you can talk, talk about God at all because words really can't describe God. We use the word infinite, eternal, and so on. Self-existent. But really, that, those are just our... Con- I agree. Don't argue that. But Jesus said the truth is knowable. So there has to be some degree, degree to which that truth about God, about Him and His Word, is knowable. Okay? That truth that comes from abiding in the Word and being one of Christ's disciples will set you free. Not truth, generalized, will set you free. Your truth, how you perceive it, and how you might perceive it, that will set you free. No, it won't. I have actually heard this statement in that context. Well, when I finally realize that my truth is my truth, and I don't have to conform to your truth, I've been set free. No, you, 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 you just put heavier chains on. That's all you, all you did, bigger shackles. So I have to ask this, though. Set free from what? Pretty basic question. Now, here's how... Those who, Jews that believed, this is what they said. They answered him, says, wait a minute, we're offspring of Abraham. We've never been enslaved by anyone. How can you say you have become free? Now that statement, we know they have to be thinking of freedom in an inward sense because they are currently under the oppression and the rule of the Romans. And they've been over various Assyrians and Babylonians and all kinds of people over time. So we know they're not talking about physically because they know better. They're living it. So they're talking about some inward thing. They're assuming because of who their genealogy, offspring of Abraham, they're internally free. Morally, uh, spiritually, whatever term you want to believe that, no, 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 we've never been captured by any of those. And Jesus says, boy, are you wrong. For the one who commits sin is a slave to sin. Now, Paul says something generally the same in in Romans chapter 6, 15 through 18. Okay, You are a slave to the one in whom you obey. Either a slave to sin or a slave to righteousness. Okay, So that idea you are a slave... To sin. I think if you've ever had an addiction, you really get it. And I, you can have an addiction to things that aren't physiological, and they say so you put it in your veins or put it, you know what I'm saying? Uh, you realize how that entraps and enslaves. But all sin traps and enslaves. So, so if you think, think in this culture of their day, they had, I mean, I forget how many they say, but you know, one-third of the Roman Empire or something like this were slaves. Some, I forget the number. It's huge of how much of their culture was slaves. And when they said jump, you said how high? 
When, they, when, when the owner said, go, you said, where? So when you obey them, that shows that they're the master. This, this analogy is given. When you're obeying that sin, it's your boss. If you're obeying righteousness, the Lord Jesus Christ in His Word, He's your boss, if I could say it that way. Okay? Um, and what's interesting, He added before that, truly, truly, amen, amen. It is so, let me tell you, it is so that when you commit sin, you're a slave to it. You're obeying it. And you thought you were in charge. Come back to that. Then Jesus says in verse 35, The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you are freed indeed. Let me put it another way. Sonship is permanent. And you Galatians 4, 5 through 7, John 10, 37 through 30, 1 Peter 1, 3 through 5, okay? A true son, an authentic son, is always a son. Compared to one who is a son by name only, nominal. A believer by name only. Indeed, he uses the word indeed. That's a reality, a fact in point. This freedom that comes by knowing that truth, the truth of God's word, of Christ's word, and being his disciples. When it sets you free, it's a set fact. Free from what? Well, the thing you're enslaved to, sin. Now, remember earlier he said, unless you believe that I am, you will die in your sin. So connected with this slavery to sin is also slavery to death. But when, I, when the Son has set you free, the freedom he was just talking about, that the truth of following him and being in his word, abiding in his word, that freedom is absolute. Indeed. Then we get in some things that I would reflect this way. Falsehood in comparison to the truth he spoke. In verse 37, Jesus says, I know that you are offspring of Abraham. Remember, they brought that up. We're not a slave to anything. Okay. Yet you seek to kill me. They haven't done this yet. He knows where their heart is going to go. Now, the scribes and Pharisees, they wanted to do that. And earlier when he's talking just to the crowd... Want, you want to kill me, he's addressing, the, and the crowd goes, we don't want to, where'd you get that from? And then they recognize later, in chapter 7 there, that it was the scribes and Pharisees. Now Jesus is addressing what people? Those Jews who believed in him, he's looking at them and telling them, you seek to kill me. And they're, because, why do they seek to kill him? Because my words finds no place in you. I speak what I have seen with my Father. And you do, no, do not, you do what you have heard from your Father. 
Okay. Yes, I know you're Abraham's seed genetically. Uh, you seek to kill me because my words really aren't in you. I speak to you, these words that aren't in you, what I have seen my father speak. Okay. And you do what you've heard your father speak. They answered him, wait a minute, we just said, my ad, Abraham's our father. Weren't you listening? Jesus said to them, if, oh, another one of those conditional ifs, you were Abraham's children, you would be doing. Now in this next, these two verses here, 39 and 40, be doing, did, and did. Okay, You would be doing the works Abraham did. What is he talking about? God said, do this. Go sacrifice your boy. And what did Abraham do? He did what the Father had said. The word of God he obeyed. But now you seek to kill me. Second time he says that. A man who has told you the truth that I heard from God, this is not what Abraham did. You, you claim to be Abraham's seed. You say that you're not enslaved to one inside and who you are, but you claim physical connection to Abraham. Well, if you're really free inside, it's not a physical connection you have. It's something else. You would be listening to what God says if you were truly free inside in Abraham's seed. You are doing, oh, there's that doing again, the works your father did. They said to him, we were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. So you're not of Abraham's seed because you'd be doing what he did. Instead, you're doing what your father did. Wait a minute. You're saying we're illegitimate here. Okay. They believe, they believe that God is their father in that spiritual sense. Jesus says, no way. You got a different father. Well, wait a minute. God's the father of us all. Only in one sense that he created mankind, that he rules the universe. But not everybody is God their father in the sense of the one they listen to. Another if statement, Jesus says, verse 42, if God would your father, listen, you would love me. Now wait, stop, wait a minute. You were talking about abiding in and listening to what God said through you, Jesus, what you'd seen the Father and, and what you heard from God. Now you bring up this love me thing? For I came from God and am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? Because you cannot bear to hear my word. So first of all, Jesus makes a link between the love of him and the Father with what he and the Father say. 
you would love me if you were in the Word, if the Word was in you, if you could receive the Word. And he says here, though, but you can't. He didn't say you wouldn't. Okay? You cannot understand what I say because you cannot bear to hear my word. You don't want to hear what I got to say. What was that, you know, the famous one? I want the truth. And the guy on the stand says, you can't stand the truth or take the truth. I don't remember how it goes. Okay, I've just heard the quote. I've never seen the movie, but I've, I've heard that. You can't handle the truth. You don't want to know the truth. You don't want to know this. If you don't believe that I am, you will die in your sin. No, I'm basically a good person. Why would I die in my sin and go to hell? I'm a good guy. Don't tell me that. At least that's my truth. Listen to what he goes. Now, I mean, he, okay, I, I've held back enough. Uh, generally, let me get specific, Jesus. I don't know how else to say He goes right for the throat. You are of your father, the devil. Wait a minute. I thought these were people that believed. Well, so we'll have to talk about what did it mean by that? What kind of belief then is they're talking about? You of your father, the devil. And your will is to do your father's desires. Uh, your slave to sin. That's their father's desire. So who are they a slave to? Yeah, the devil. Listen to what he says about their father, the devil. Could you imagine right now if you stood in Congress? You stand in the public marketplace. Stand in the workplace and say, hey, your father's the devil and you do his bidding. Would they want to kill you? He, you do his bidding, and here's what he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has nothing to do with truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language or out of his own character, an intrinsic thing within him. He is a liar and the father of lies. So he refers here to the beginning. What's our first introduction to the devil, to Satan, to Lucifer in the Bible? Two things. He lies and he murders. Murders. He gets the guy to kill his own brother. Okay? I'm going to get in trouble. When you say, and I listen to Reverend Al Sharpton say, that God's for abortion, he is listening to his father, the father of lies who was a murderer from the beginning. Because he said, well, because God's all about choice. Free will. Man's independent. So therefore, this... This whole abortion thing is really about God wanting you to have free choice. I, I could just see that, you know, the little cartoon with the little devil sitting on his shoulder. 
Okay? He was a murderer from the beginning. And I'm going to say, those who are protesting and marching and say they want the choice to kill the unborn, they are listening to their father, who was a murderer from the beginning. I will send you the emails. He's a liar from the beginning. Did God really say? Now, I want you to think about why did Jesus throw this in here? Because he's saying it's his words that's truth. It's his word where the true disciple abides. That's the truth that will set you free. And the first thing Satan wants to tell you is what he says isn't true. He wants to get you to doubt what he says. Well, that depends on how you interpret it. Well, then learn how to interpret properly. He has nothing to do with... There's nothing out of Satan's mouth that can come that is true. So if there's a voice telling you, and you're the sex you were born to, male or female, and you got a voice telling you that's not what you are, that's the father of lies. He can't speak the truth. He's telling you nothing else. You need to run to the word of Christ and to Christ, and he'll deliver you from that liar. There's no truth in him. It's in his own very character to do it. He's, he's the one that begins to it. He got Eve to say this. Wait a minute. You can be the arbiter of what truth is. Let me put it another way. Hey, Eve, um, truth is what you think it is. Truth is what you think. I know, I know he said if you eat that, you'll die. But really, you know, if you eat it, you really won't die. You get to decide what truth is. Very first lie is you're the arbiter of what truth is. You're the arbiter of right and wrong. Well, that's wrong for you, and this is right for me. I'm sorry, you're not the arbiter. That's a lie from the devil. He did it in the beginning, and it just led to murder. But because, because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Did you catch that? Why don't they believe? Because he's telling the truth. But that's not my truth, so I don't believe. My truth is what my father's telling me. Okay? Hmm. Here's the truth he told them. If you don't believe that I am, you will die in your sins. He ends the chapter with the I am. So don't think I'm just tying it together arbitrarily. Okay? And then he goes, which one of you convicts me of sin? He's telling them that their father's the devil. You're the sinner. You're going to charge me with that? I tell you the truth. Why don't you believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you don't hear them is that you are not of God. Now notice it doesn't say the opposite. You are not of God because you don't hear them. It doesn't say that. It says you're, you lack the ability. You don't because you're not God's to start with. I know that's going to mess with people, but you've got to flop Jesus' words around to say something different. Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason you don't hear him is you're not of God. You're of that other guy. 
Who's telling you something else that you believe? Okay. And the Jews answered him, Are we not right when we were saying, You're a Samaritan and you have a demon? Notice the response. He says, Your father's the devil. They turn on us. No, I think he's your father. In a sense, no, 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 I know you think it's the satanic influence on us, but we're going to flop it around and say it's the satanic off on you. Boy, is, that isn't a method of, in today's world. Okay? The crowd, the crowd said something similar, by the way, in chapter 7, verse 20. And Jesus answered it, I did not have a demon. But I honor my Father, you dishonor me, therefore you dishonor the Father. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it, and he's the judge. Imagine looking at God and telling him he has a demon. <laughs> Man, you, just, you dishonor me and the Father, and he's going to judge you for that one. Okay. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. A true disciple of Christ, a son, will never see death. And the Jews said to him, now we know that you have a demon. <laughs> Abraham died, and so did the prophets. Yet you say, if anyone believes my word, your words, Jesus, they'll never taste death. Are you greater than Abraham, because Abraham died? Are you greater than the prophets who died? Who do you make yourself to be? To be. To be. Jesus answered, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom I say, He is our God. But you have not known Him. He has said this several times previously. I know Him. If I were to say to you, I don't know Him, I would be a liar like you. I'm sure that went over well. But I do know Him, and I keep his word. If Jesus is the one you're following, and he follow, keeps the word, uh, what would you do? Your father Abraham, genetically, rejoiced that he would see my day. He looked forward in time. To Jesus Christ. He saw it and was glad. So when Abraham was justified by faith, faith in Jesus Christ, okay? So the Jews said to him, wait a minute, you're not even 50 years old. How can you say you've seen Abraham or Abraham's seen you? And Jesus said, truly, truly, before Abraham was... I am. Later when Jesus says this, by the way, they come to arrest him. 
and he says, I am, it knocks the guys over. Now watch. And they still arrest him. And that's like taking your bullets at Superman. Pew, 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 they bounce off, and so you go up and try to hit him with a stick. When Jesus says, I am, he's carrying a whole lot of authority with that because he is the I am. Here is their response to his claim. Oh, Jesus never claimed to be God. You want to bet? They picked up stones to throw at him. And Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. How did he hide himself? I'm not sure. Did he just like go invisible? Did he blind their eyes and he wasn't invisible? I, I don't know. But remember, this whole thing started when he was going to Jerusalem because it wasn't yet his time. I, I, know, I know you think, I, I know you guys think you're listening to God and you got God's timing down on this. No, uh, got another six months, then you get to kill me. Okay? Let me give a little application if I may. Do you believe what Jesus said is true? Do you believe when Jesus says, I am God in flesh, that's how the book of John started, the gospel of John. Do you believe what Jesus said when he says in chapters to come in chapter 14, verse 6, that he is the way, the truth, the life, and no one comes to the Father, that is God, but through him. Well, that's your truth. I believe there's multiple ways of God. Then you don't believe what Jesus said. Then your father's the devil, not God the Father. You're believing his lie, that you get to determine what truth is. Second point. Are you an authentic Christian or a nominal one? In name only. Well, I believe so did these people. And under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, John wrote that they believed in him. About that long. Till they confronted. They were confronted with who Christ is. So let me suggest there are some nominal Christians in this way. First, I just call them supposed Christians. They're simply presumed to be Christians, often by association. They grew up in church. They go to church. They dress like church people. Smells like church people. So therefore, they're Christian. N name only. Okay? Professed. That is, they've made a verbal assertion of being a Christian without inner transformation. Yeah, we, yeah, I believe it. Yeah, you sure do. Well, I, I know, but I, I believe, you know, the Buddhists are going too, and I believe the Mormons are going too, and yeah. But I'm a believer. I, I believe it because I, I said so. Too many people put their faith in what they said at a particular date when they came down to an altar. They don't put their faith in the transforming work of God through the Holy Spirit in their life. They came down and they professed something, walked away completely unchanged. How do I know? For one, they don't abide in the Word. Another way you could be nominal Christian is mental assent. That, that you agreed to the facts of Christianity without inner transformation. Yeah, I, I think those are true facts. Sorry. That's not inner transformation. 
That's just acknowledgement of facts. Okay, and you've heard me use this before. Do you believe parachutes work? Yes. Then let me put one on your back and jump out of an airplane. At first, it's, it's just facts until you put me on the plane. And then, then I would call those who are nominal in the sense that they're pseudo-Christians. They're not what they appear. In every way, they act like they got the language down, man. They can sing the songs without reading the words up on the screen. They can quote verses to you, just like the devil did to Jesus. All right? It's just an outward appearance thing. And to be honest, if they laid down in bed at night, they knew it. Or they know it. And I think that's sort of along the line, the, the, the mental ascent folks... Christians is sort of like those that are th theoretical Christians. Are you a Christian? Yeah, yeah, I'm Catholic. When's the last time you went Mass? Uh, 1972. You're theoretically, you're, you're a Christian if you call Christ. Yeah, I'm Baptist. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm a Christian. I, I've been to the Christian church. When? 85. Okay, it's that theoretical without really experience, practice, or transformation. Because I'm an American or something. Theoretically, I, I must be a Christian. I'm going to be honest. Most people I, I talk to, that's where they are. They, they really don't know what it means. That's most of them. Are you a nominal one, name only? Are you authentic? One of the evidence, the intrinsic characteristics of authentic Christians is they abide in the word of Christ. They live in it. They dwell in it. One of the inherent characteristics is that. And so what I would say this, for a true disciple, being in God's word is an inner drive. It's a need. It's an obsession. I abide in it. If I get out of that, I'm not home. I, I'm not in a place where I'm comfortable. I, I, something's not right if I'm not in it. And Jesus said, if you're a disciple... You bite in it. You live and breathe there. Okay? Those of you who have been married a long time, right? Kimberly was out of town, you know, for 10 days with the kids. Dude, my dwelling wasn't the right place. I mean, it's a house. It's a building. But it, it wasn't home. It wasn't the, my dwelling place without them there. It's just, it, take them out of it, and I... I, I I start getting uncomfortable and, and everything else. If I don't get to be in the Word of God, something's wrong. Something, did I leave my pants? Come on, you all had that dream. You get up in front of everybody and you left your pants. You know, you're in school, it's your locker, and you can't get it open, and you're in your underwear. Something's not right. Okay? It, 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 being dependent on Christ means also to have absolute dependence on His Word. If you can make decisions without His Word, you need to do a little more biting. God's Word is an indispensable part of the authentic Christian life. That's why from the beginning, 
the father of lies, got Eve to question the word of God. And everything crumbled after that. All humanity was forever altered because she didn't put her faith in the word of God. She listened to the devil instead and believed what he said, that no, you get to decide. As Christians, as authentic Christians, okay, we, we should abide in, dwell in, remain in the Word of Christ. It's a default action. Okay? I can't, I can't think of you and not think of Word. God's Word. When you get together, what do you talk about? This happened, well, you know, because the Bible says. You know, this way, because, you know what I'm saying? So, so you dwell in it. How you see the face of your spouse, how you view your relationship, how you spend your money, how you spend your time, what to do for entertainment, all those things, you dwell in the Word of Christ. Maybe you're saying, well, uh, I've been on vacation from the dwelling for a while. Then get back to it. Okay? Life, life does do that. It hands you a lot of things, and you, you, time's run out, and you're just, a week just went by, and I didn't get that time in the Word. Okay? If you're an abider, you feel it. You know it that you didn't get that Word. Okay? Let's stand. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Oh, Father God, we thank you that you are the great I am. That you sent your Son, God in human form, to walk among us. To there, to example and declare to us your truth. Not, not just in words, but in life as a person. God, so many things in our world today will try to convince us there's some other truth besides your word. It comes at us from all sides. I ask, oh God, protect us from that liar, that murderer of the devil. Call us to your word, to continue word or back to your word. There we will find true freedom as we follow you. We ask this, O oh God, not so we can have a better life, but we ask it that you would be glorified in our life. For to you belongs all the glory. Amen. This is Stephen Wilson, and we want to thank you for joining us today, and we hope you were blessed by today's message. Truths from God's Unchanging Word is an outreach ministry of Kindred Bible Church in Caldwell, Idaho. If you would like to listen to other messages by Pastor Randy or learn more about Kindred Bible Church, visit kindredbible.org. Our prayer for you is that you grow closer to Christ as we study the truths from God's unchanging word.